0: We hear in the psalm response, the vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. The Jewish people, uh, there were two images in the scriptures that were used for the house of Israel, for Israel itself. One was a fig tree, and I'm still trying to wrap my mind, mind around that, why Why the fig tree, because it's not all that common. And the vineyard, and we hear in this first reading today, uh, the song, uh, that um, the uh, just jumped out of my got the wrong page. Just jumped out of my mind. Isaiah tells the song that God is providing everything for that house of Israel, the vineyard, to grow and to have all they need. So, as the chief priests and the elders were hearing this parable in today's gospel, they would have no doubt immediately picked up on something kind of insulting. That Jesus was comparing them to these wicked servants. First, these last few weeks we have been hearing from the parables of the uh, from Matthew's Gospel, and to remember, the parable means to literally means to throw beside, and Jesus is throwing beside uh, reality these stories to help reality make sense of reality, to help them to understand something. But when Jesus tells a parable. In almost every parable, there's a little hook or a little, huh, that happens with it. Something that makes you go, what? And today's hook is probably one of the most drastic of all the parables. Just listen and consider again. Again, we have uh, the, the landowner who provides this beautiful vineyard. And you have to assume the vines are the very best vines, that they produce the good fruits and not wild grapes, which are sour and bitter and unusable. He digs everything that out a wine press and builds a tower, builds the hedges in order to protect it. And he sets it all in order and he provides for it, and he gives it to the care of the tenants. But when it comes harvest time, he sends for the produce, whether that would have been grapes or maybe the, the fruit of the grapes, wine. He sends for it, but the tenants refuse to give it to him. That's not quite the hook yet. So instead of giving it to the the servants, they kill the servants. Naturally, all three, whether they're beat or killed or stoned, all, all three types are dead. And the Master sends his son, Not quite the hook yet. Saying they're going to respect my son. But they don't, and they kill the son too. Even that's not necessarily the hook. The hook is what they say Ah, this is the heir. Let us kill the son, and therefore we get his inheritance. On what planet is that ever going to happen? It's not one. In Jewish law, even we, we might say, well, yeah, there's no one left to inherit the land, it goes goes to whoever wants it and they, they can buy it. Well, they're talking inheritance, they're going to get it. That doesn't make sense at all. In Jewish law, it would go to the next family member, the closest related family member, it doesn't go to the tenants. And yet they've convinced themselves we can get away with this murder. Not not to mention the murder of the servants that have come before, but we can kill this son, and we get everything. We can keep all the produce. We can keep all the wine, all the grapes. We keep control of the land, and there's nothing the master can do about it. Well, what's the master going to do? The chief priests and the elders answer "Well, he's going to put those those murderous people to a, a torturous death yeah they get it and Jesus hooks them this is what you've done you have been given they had been given the task of leading the people of Israel to produce good fruits and they chose to ignore God well not all, all the times but they chose to ignore God and we might kind of laugh at, the, at the, the thought. They really thought they could get away with this. They really thought they would receive everything. But don't we do that frequently? Don't we do that with God? Saying we can do whatever we want and God's going to reward us? I don't know about you, but I do it frequently. And it goes by a little word called sin. Sin. So often, in our sin, we say, I can ignore God, I can set aside His laws, I can set aside His desires for me, and I can do what I want, and He's going to bless me. Well, we don't literally say that, we know how insane that sounds, but isn't that what we do? Instead, the Lord invites us to produce good fruit. And what are those good fruits? It's the reason I turn to the, the reading so I can get it right. St. Paul tells us what those fruits are. Well, at First he tells us to think about these things, but what are they? Truth, honor, justice, purity, loveliness, graciousness, excellence, things worthy of praise. Those are the fruits we are to produce. And so often, by our sins, we produce wild grapes, good for nothing. The Lord is still tending us. The wonderful thing about the image of vineyard, that again we don't don't necessarily understand unless we've ever dealt with grapes, is that it needs constant care. I often share the story: my grandfather and grandmother had had a, bit, a little trellis of grapes. They would produce a couple gallons of juice every year. It was a lot of work. Every spring grandpa would begin calling and saying, We need to we need to trim the the vines, we need to prune them. Every fall we would need to pick the fruit. We would have to make sure that it wasn't infected by insects or fungus, that the ground was good, that it was getting enough water, that it was getting enough sun. They needed constant care. Well, not every day necessarily, but every week at least. When he died, it took two years for that vine to die. Got overrun, overgrown, stopped producing fruit, and basically died. That's what happens with the vine that is not tended. God still tends for us. And we can try to do what these tenants did. We can try to ignore the request of God. We can try to avoid having to take care of that vine. We can try to deny the produce, but it doesn't end well for us when we do. Especially this week as we uh, begin to enter Respect Life Week, I can't help but think of a better passage to have. After all, when it comes to the failure to respect life, don't we do what these tenants do? We can eliminate God from our lives, and we can do whatever we want. We can mess with life. At the very core and the very start of it, embryonic stem cell research. We, as a culture, have told ourselves that we we can decide which life is valuable, which life is not valuable, that if there's a problem, whatever it is, for whatever reason, we can extinguish that life. We're getting to the point where we can make the determination of which life is worthy of continued care. If a life, if somebody is too sick, is the future going to come where we can put that life to death? We can actively kill them? The church teaches that God is a master of life. We are not. We are caretakers of life. We are the tenants when it comes to life. We can't be like these tenants saying, we can eliminate God and do what we want, but rather we need to respect God. We need to respect him and give him the fruits that are due. Only then can we be heirs. That's the mystery and the magnificence of this parable if we extend it out. The ones who produce the fruits become the heirs. They share in those fruits because the master is good. The landowner isn't going to take everything away. He's going to continue to give those who produce fruits the good things they need. As we come this day, we call to mind that when we respect life and respect God as a master of life, God is a giver of all things. We not only avoid doing the silly, the thing that cannot happen, will not happen on any planet. But even more importantly, we share in the very life of God. And we have the promise of eternal life with Christ.